Psalms 39, verse 7. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Psalms 39, verse 7. The scriptures are as relevant today as they were then. Might just have to give him the job permanently. Nice work. Good job, Hugh. That's what I'm talking about. Good morning and Merry Christmas to everybody. Doing okay this morning? Good. Good enough to be here, which right now is a blessing, right? So much sickness going on and so many things. So very thankful that you guys are here this morning. We are starting a series on Advent. And I'm hoping that you guys really like this series. But I hope that you don't like it so much that if we don't do it again next year, you guys revolt or something like that, right? Because, you know, there's other things we may look at. But, but for the next four weeks, we're going to look at Advent. Today, we're going to talk about hope. Now, before we talk about hope, I do want to take a step back and look at what is Advent in general anyway. And the word Advent, essentially what it means is the, the preparation of the coming of a notable figure. And in this case, the coming of Jesus. Now, Jesus has come, and he is coming again, but the tradition of Advent typically focuses on that first coming of Jesus. And so it kind of seems strange in a way, right, to prepare for something that's already happened, but we do this with any Christmas tradition. Let's be real. I mean, I I know that the Grinch is going to come around eventually, and yet I still watch the movie. I know Clark Griswold, he's going to get that Christmas bonus eventually. But I'm still going to watch the movie, right? We do this every year, and the same is true with Advent, that we anticipate with great joy the coming of Christ once again. So, like I said, today we're going to talk about the Advent of hope. We really can't function without hope. In fact, Dostoevsky once said, to live without hope is to cease to live. You can go a month without food, you can go days without water, you can go minutes without air, but, but if hope unravels, really your whole life unravels right underneath your feet immediately. We were made to have hope. Hope encourages us, it, it drives us, it, it motivates us, it moves us forward. And today the reality is, especially with my generation and younger, the reality is that, that we live in a world that is very hopeless for a lot of people. In fact, I read a study, a Harvard study, that said more than half of people my generation live without any kind of hope. And I think that we really fall within two categories. One is we're looking for hope. I mean, we really are looking. We're searching for hope. It's just that we are left disappointed time and time again. And so we become very sad or even maybe anxious or depressed. And then there's a whole other category, though, of people who have just given up on hope completely. And cynicism starts to take effect in your life. You know, you start to withdraw, you start to isolate. And when you see people who are a little bit hopeful, maybe you, you kind of scoff at them, right? Because you've given up on hope. And, and, and really for good reason a lot of times, because hope is very dangerous. I mean, you put your hope in the wrong thing and you can be left pretty devastated. In fact, our disappointment is often directly tied to where it is that we place our hope. And so it's scary. And I don't blame a lot of people. 
that they don't live with hope. The problem is, at the exact same time of not living without hope, it becomes even more dangerous when you have no hope at all. Because what happens is fear starts to take effect. What happens is hate starts to take effect. What happens is relationships suffer and all these things and you become withdrawn and isolated and cynical. So we were a people who were made to have hope. We were made to be such hopeful, hopeful beings. Now, before we move forward, let's define what we mean by hope. Hope is going all in on something that we believe will help us to experience joy and contentment. A very quick, simple question I have for us really is, like, are you someone who's marked by hope this morning? I mean, are you a, would you say that you're a hopeful being? Or would you say you kind of fall into that column we just talked about? That, you know, you, you, you don't want to be hoodwinked again, man. You've been, you've, you've had hope, you know, you've put it in a lot of places, and now you just say, I'm going to keep hope at arm's distance because I've been fooled time and time again. The question is, where are you on that spectrum of hope this morning? Maybe your story's a lot like mine. Man, when I was a kid, I was such a hopeful kid. But I was also very difficult to please. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. I shouldn't have asked for that. Why? Just go back in time. I wish I could. But yeah, time and time again, whether it was a, a goal that I had or a new toy or a new adventure or something like that, I would, I would hope, I would look forward to those things. But then when those things would come, I'd say, really? Is that it? That's what I was looking forward to. In fact, my parents, man, they took me to Disney World one time as a kid. And I look back and I'm so appreciative now. I realize because my dad at the time wasn't exactly making it rain financially. And so for him to come up with the resources for us to go to Disney World was a really cool thing. But I just remember thinking, even this experience, the most magical place on earth, has fallen short. But here's the reality, especially if you're somebody who has given up hope. I want you to know that you can place your hope somewhere. Because Jesus never does come up short. We have to cling and know that reality. He never, ever, ever comes up short. I mean, the dude who got up out of the grave and called his shot, by the way, before he did it, he can handle our hopes. And so if you are somebody who, man, you've just been looking and you've been looking and you've been looking for areas, let me tell you, look at Christ. Hold on to Christ. Go all in with your hopes on Christ because he never comes up short. First Peter 1, 3, and 4 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a, check this word, living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never, can never perish, spoil, or fade. Man, let me encourage you this morning. You can put all your chips in the middle on Christ. You can. He will never disappoint in that way. We don't have to be a people who keep hope at arm's distance. We can get our hopes all the way up in the right area in on Christ. Because it is active, it is living, and it never ceases. Now, this is the point where I hope you don't get mad at me because I don't like it when people are mad at me. But I do love you enough to say this. I think 
it's very common for even Christians to live without hope. I mean, really, a lot of times when we say we put our hope in Christ, really what we're talking about is optimism. We become optimistic about Christ. But we reserve a little bit of hope because we don't want to be hoodwinked again because we've hoped in other things. So we just kind of stay at arm's distance. And by the way, optimism is a good thing. In fact, the majority of the time, you should just be optimistic and not hopeful. I mean, the other night, Friday night, I was optimistic that Oregon was going to beat Washington. And I'm so glad I wasn't hopeful about it. Because that would have been a very rough night, or really morning, because it was kind of a late, late night there. And that's true. We should be optimistic. But optimism, as good as it is, it, it really does come up short in the end. Because it's weak, and it's fragile, and there are times where you have to give up on all optimism. I mean, you get a diagnosis, and you really should be optimistic, to a certain point, and then the reality hits that there is no optimism anymore. That's why it's so small and so frail. As good as it is, it's frail and small. That's why we were a people who were made for hope, because hope transcends circumstance. See, optimism, it takes a positive approach to circumstances, thinking they could improve or remain positive. But that may or may not be true. And even if it is true in that moment, you still have to fear, what if that circumstance changes on me soon? So optimism is too weak. We have to have hope. It is hope that we cling to, not optimism. So when it comes to things like putting our hope in Christ, what we often do is we'll say, uh, you know, I, I think I can cast all my anxieties on him because he cares for me, but... But just in case not, let me not take all my chips and put them in the middle in that reality. Let me take a few and put them over here in this reality or this reality. And before we know it, hope is gone. And now what we have is really just a scattered optimism. And we live our life that way. Put a few chips in the, in the Jesus column, especially the salvation, because that's really important. So we put our chips in there, but then we hold on to the chips in different areas. And we become just an optimistic people, but optimistic in many different realms, not just putting our hopes up in Christ. In fact, there were a few things that I wanted to go through that I think are very important that we put our hopes in a lot of times. First, let me read this. John 1, 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. By the way, highlight that word shines. That's present tense. That's present tense, meaning our hope is living and active, and we can always have hope in that reality. We can be like that kid on Christmas morning that just excitedly anticipates Christmas morning. Why? Because this is a living hope. It is active. And that's why we celebrate Christmas Day and not mourn it, because you don't really celebrate a birthday of somebody who's dead. You mourn that day. That's a painful day. But we celebrate it because he is alive. He is active. He is moving. He is doing things. So we can place all of our hopes in that reality. Or we can settle for that scattered optimism and say, let me just, I don't want to get hoodwinked here, so let me just put a few in the Jesus and some other columns as well. And here are some of the things that we do. Performance is one of them. 
you know, we, we say, God's grace, man, that's really good. Let me put some chips in the middle on that. But just in case not, let me also make sure that I'm getting everything right and I'm getting in good with God. Let me make sure that I'm doing better than my neighbor, you know, so that I look better in front of a holy God. And we do things like, man, if I could just be like David, if I could just, in the face of adversity, in the face of a giant, if I could just be brave and I could just overcome that situation, then God will really love me and be proud of me. Right? Don't we do that sometimes? But the reality is, we are not David. It is Christ who is David. It is Him who we point to. It is Him. We put all of our chips in the middle on the reality that it is Christ who has overcome. That's so important for us. See, we could never earn His love. It's because He had that love that He gave Christ. We could never earn it. And so, man, a lot of us live our lives thinking, if I can just get it right... If I could just perform well enough, then maybe I'll be approved by a holy God. But we put all our chips in on the middle on Christ and what He has done. See, performance, it gives the impression of accomplishment and success, but really it's a standard that we will always crumble under. We can never maintain that standard. That's why Christ had to come in the first place. We could never do enough. So we go all out on performance and we go all in on the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Performance and achievement will always, always, always turn up void if that's where we put our hope. Another one is, is uh, we put a few chips in on approval. In case God's approval isn't enough, I, I just I need other people to approve me. I need, I need them to ev- validate me. I need, I need to look back at those conversations and make sure that I didn't say anything wrong. And if I did, I'm just devastated, man. If that relationship you know, ends, then my world crumbles beneath me because I put chips in approval. And guys... What a devastating thing, man. I mean, Christ was perfect and wasn't approved by everybody. I mean, we're putting so much control in other people. Things that we can't control at all, right? So very important. And guys, I I can tell you, I mean, I I could use a few more attaboys every now and then. I'm sure we all could. Pat on the back. But if that's where we're putting our hope, what happens is we end up a slave to it. And instead... Because of Jesus Christ, because we're in Christ, and, and the Father looks at Christ and is approved, uh, approving and pleased with Him, now we put all of our stock in that. We go all in on that reality. All of our hopes go to that reality, that approval. And that's how we live our lives. We put our hope, another one is power and control. If I can just put things all in order, then everything will be okay. If I can just make sure things are certain, then everything will be fine. If I can just get you to do the things that I want you to do, then everything will be fine. But what ends up happening is there are circumstances beyond our control, so we end up so overwhelmed, and we end up lonely and isolated. Power and control are so easy to crumble so quickly in our lives. Any illusion that we have of power and control can really crumble beneath us with one simple phone call. Isn't that so true? 
one phone call can change everything. And I know for me, power is a big one, man. I, I want people to think that I've really got things under control, you know? And so what happens is you, you can't really, like, enjoy the moment because it's more of a relief than anything else whenever people see that you have control. So what we got to do instead is we, we give up that control, we give up that power. We put our chips all in the middle on Christ's power and Christ's control. We just say, it's got to be you. God, it's got to be you. Put all my hope in you having the power and the control. And the last one is uh, we put our hope in comfort. We want things to be quick and easy. And for those who go all in on comfort, man, we think, look, I, I got to have things a certain way. I mean, once I get that that job where I'm making more money, then, then I'll be content. Once I can afford that $5 coffee every morning, then I'll be feeling really good. Once I get to the weekend and I can just sit a minute, then I'll be content. But the reality is there, there has to be a level of discomfort in order for us to grow, doesn't there? I mean, nobody ever feels like denying themselves and taking up their cross. But yet when we do that, we become a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And sometimes, man, growth requires us to be uncomfortable at times, doesn't it? And so what do all these things have in common? Well, essentially, they're all about us. My performance, my approval, my control, my power, my comfort. And what we have to understand is that hope, in the end, has to transcend us. It should outlive us. It should go beyond us. And we live in this strange time, man, where, like, the problem is the focus on ourselves too much, and yet we go inward to try to find the answers to the solution of the problem. And instead, we have to look beyond. It's denial of self. It's looking beyond ourselves. That's where we can find a hope that does not disappoint. If I had a bottom line this morning, it would be this. When it comes to hope, go all in on Christ and fold on everything else. Fold on everything else. See, our natural thought in a given uh, situation is, what does this have to do with me? But if we can shift that thinking, if we can think better, bigger, we can go to, you know, how can I be a part of seeing God bring about good? And that becomes such a bigger question. But we've got to hold on to that reality. We've got to hold on to Christ tightly in order to do that. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly. Highlight those two words. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. See, when you're just simply optimistic about Christ, what you're going to do is you're going you're to hold on to other things. You know, 
you're going to hold on to some of the things that we've talked about before. And then when life hits you in the face, you're not going to be able to hold unswervingly to the hope that you professed. You're not going to be able to because we've got all these other things going on. We've got to reject them. We've got to reject the things that have to do with ourselves that we put our hope in. So instead, we focus solely on Christ. And we hold unswervingly. I love that word, unswervingly. Don't you love that word? It's not even just a drift. It's like, it's a, like a swerve a lot of times. You know, sometimes it can, it can start out as a drift, and it quickly turns into a swerve or a nosedive a lot of times, doesn't it? When we put our stock in performance into all these different things, what happens is we swerve, and we become disappointed, and we become like we said at the beginning. We're like, I'm so disappointed. You know, I just, I thought I was putting my hope in something, and, I, and I'm just left disappointed. It's because we're holding on to all these other things, and we become simply optimistic instead of putting all of our chips in the middle on Christ. And by the way, we can do that because he who promised is always faithful. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are, yes, in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God of God. He who promised is faithful. He who brought hope in the world, he is faithful. Hope doesn't change on us. It doesn't waver. So we hold fast to hope. We, we hold fast to him. We go all in. We put all of our chips in the middle. We don't stay at, at arm's distance and say, you know, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to get hoodwinked again here. Don't you love that word hoodwinked? I've said it three times. Isn't it a great word? But we're afraid, right? Aren't we? But we don't have to. We don't have to give up all hope. We can get our hopes up in the name of Jesus because he does not disappoint in that way. Psalm 39, 7, which Hugh read, and I'll never be able to read it as well as he did, but it says this, But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. My encouragement this morning is, One, don't be somebody who's given up hope. And two, don't put your hope anywhere else but in Christ because He is enough. He is. He's enough. I told you guys a couple weeks back that that last year at this time, it was a very difficult time for me. I was going through a lot of uncertainty. But i got to tell you, even in those times, He's enough. And many of you right now in this moment are going through a lot. Man, I saw that prayer list on Wednesday. There's a lot going on. There's loss. There are kids that are just way too young to be going through some of the stuff that they're having to go through. We've got people in our lives that are just wrecking themselves completely and we're just, we're just devastated. We're demoralized by it. But I want to tell you again, he is enough. He's just, he's just enough. Or maybe you're in a season like my family is right now. Man, as far as I know, my health is good now. My family's doing well. Man, I like my kids right now. I mean, things are just... We almost made it to the end. Almost. But man, things are just going really, really well for me. And yet, still, He is enough. It's not those things. We, we, don't, we don't put our hope or, or optimism in those things. Man, if... 
If God took all those good things away, and, and trust me, it would, be, it would be hard. But He is always enough. He can handle your hopes. So maybe you're here this morning, and man, you've just, you just been skeptical. You've just been kind of more optimistic, and it's been a scattered optimism. I want to encourage you this morning, get your hopes up. Be a people of hope, because He can handle it. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your hope in Christ. Man, it is a great time to do it. Go all in. Go all in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that you're always good, that we don't have to settle for optimism. Really, we can put all of our hopes in you because it really doesn't matter the circumstances. You never change. You are always constant. You are living. You are active. You are always, always at work. And so, Father, right now in this moment, I pray, maybe, maybe it's been a while, man. Maybe, maybe it's been a while since we've had that childlike wonder of, of hope and anticipation. And, and maybe in this moment, I just pray that you would, you would stir that back into us. God, it's got to be your work, and I pray that you'll do that. Man, give us a wonder of, man, my God can do anything. My God is so good. And that never changes. Father, we love you very, very much. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's stand and worship. If you need to respond by coming to pray at the altar or you need somebody to talk to, I'd be happy to do that as well. Let's stand and worship.